and because of of Craig, who's awesome, we actually all watched your content too. So we actually know stuff. Not, oh my not god, really you prepared uh, for the guests that you invited on your own show? I'm sorry, this is just so emotional that you would <laughs> do the bare minimum before inviting me to participate. <laughs> Welcome to GTM Unfiltered, hosted by GTM veterans, Judd Borco, Craig Rosenberg, and Matt Amundsen. We make talking business fun and sometimes funny. That's because we're always unscripted, unfiltered, and unlike anything else out there. Get ready. In all seriousness, it's always flattering um, to to show up and have people know uh, what you got going on. So thank you guys. And thank you for having me, sincerely. Yeah, no, no problem. So uh, I, I found Alexis on Twitter, but then follow her humor on Instagram. And now uh, everywhere. So I'm really excited, as you guys know. So here's what's interesting is, um, so Alexis actually came from the B2B go-to-market world, right? So she was an SDR Twilio, which, so when I was looking her up, I'm like, oh my God, because I did you know, work with the SDR team at Twilio before she got there. She ran creator partnerships at Patreon, which is like, so, you know, basically, creator world, which may or may not have been part of her inspiration to leave, I believe, during the pandemic or mm-hmm. after, to go become a new kind of entrepreneur. So you are a different mm-hmm. entrepreneur than we've uh, had on the show. And that's really exciting because uh, you are now a comedian. You have a great podcast. We need to talk about your guests are really good. And I was really jealous um, looking at those and listening to those. Um, but like I think about comedians and folks that are sort of becoming creators and how much you have to put yourself out there as part mm-hmm. of building your business. It's really incredible. And so um, you came out of left field and we're really excited to have you. But for the audience, Alexis Gay, she's here. Hell yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for that introduction. I really appreciate it. Was it good? I think it was good. I yes. think you nailed all the key points. He, he gets better every week. That's great. <laughs> What episode are we on? How many episodes have you guys done? 73, oh. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like seven or three notes. I was going to say, when I looked it up, it looked like maybe four or five. No, I think we're, okay. I think like eight. I think eight released. We got a bunch that are still, that we're, nice. we release one a week. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Okay. Exciting. And is this the first foray into podcasting for most all of you? Or is this uh, a second go around? I, I think we doubt. I think everyone dabbled. Everyone dabbled. Yeah. Uh, Craig had the podcast uh, with Gartner. Yep. Uh, okay. I've been on podcasts, and according to my Spotify Wrapped, I've uh, I'm in the top four percent of consumers of podcasts. So, oh wow, no way! Look at you, dog. And, and I, I've done two different podcasts, and I hate podcasts. So you know. Okay, interesting, and yet, yet here I am. Hmm. I know. Coming back for more. Like someone's got to wrangle these two because you know they're so out of control. Obviously. What would they do without you? Probably a lot better. <laughs> yeah. To be clear, like without Judd, there would be no show. And so like, because Matt and I talked about it for like eight months and Judd's like, yeah, let's do it. And then like, I'm like yeah. he's got like yeah. a production it, team and like he's got the whole thing going. It was incredible. Yeah. Right. You need the just do it guy yeah, for sure. Do. He is the just do it guy. I mean, like there's there's no mm-hmm. holding back. All right. So quickly, though, uh, tell us more about I, I'm just I'd like to d- dive in on the transition here. Like, just give us the whole rundown. You're sitting there and. B2B go to market and you decided to become a comedian, like, or you were a comedian, but you decided to make that your business. What? Tell us about that. It's definitely the latter. I started doing comedy when I was working at Twilio and I started doing improv comedy specifically because 
my whole life started to feel like it was in tech, about tech, around tech, talking about tech. And I loved and still have a lot of love and appreciation for the tech industry, but it was just, I couldn't get like outside of it. And I needed something. I needed to do something with my time that would like wa just wash it off for like a couple hours at a time. And I, and especially because being very early in my career, I was about four years into my career when I was at Twilio. A lot of your friends are in tech, your social circle, et cetera. So it felt all consuming. Doing improv, it was just like this way to do something different once a week. And growing up, I had done a lot of acting and really loved acting, but unfortunately you can't really, and it's actually becoming increasingly easier, but at the time especially, there wasn't really a way to act as a hobby. Mm -hmm. But improv comedy does afford you that opportunity to be up on stage, to be in front of audiences, to be making something with other people. It's incredibly collaborative. It's a team sport. But no one expects you to then go and do it full time. You could just kind of do improv for fun. And there's a lot of benefit actually in the business world to being a strong improviser. I think it's just good for life. You have to listen really well and be very collaborative and very open-minded. And so I think there's a lot of benefit to it. So I started doing improv for all those reasons, mostly because I needed the brain bath at the end of the day. And I loved it. I loved it so much. I, I like physically remember what it was like the first time we got a laugh <laughs> at our improv 101 grad show. I just remember that feeling of like, oh, I want, I want to do that again, <laughs> you know? And it was not the kind of thing that was 2017. It was not the kind of thing like, okay, as soon as I felt that lightning strike, I was like, I'm going to leave tech behind and bust out of here. It was just like, oh, great. I love this thing. I'm going to do both. Improv led to making short form sketch videos, uh, also in 2017. And then that led to making longer form YouTube videos where I was writing and telling stories, but then I would edit in cuts and sounds, which is very common at the time still around now, but there was definitely a boom in this style of telling stories. And then recognizing that I was both actively getting on stage, doing improv and writing these YouTube videos, it, it was honestly like it occurred to me I could do stand up, which previously I'd always been really afraid of because in my mind, I was like, what if they don't laugh? What do you do with I your know. sense of self? Like, how? what do you do? Literally, how do you keep living in the skin? Like, do you get a new body? I, like, didn't understand. Do you go into witness protection? I did not understand what you did after that moment. Yeah. And it held me back. And then I just had this realization that I was like, but I'm getting on stage and I love that. And I'm writing and I love that. And if I just com combine those things, then maybe I could do stand-up. And so I went to an open mic and uh, the way I tricked myself into doing that was by making it, by making the success metric not to get laughs, but to do the mic. And that was the trick. And when the success was just do it or don't, that was easy. Just do it. Laughs or laughs or later. And then lather, rinse, repeat. I was doing all of those things, improv, stand up, and creating videos. This is while I was working at Patreon. I loved my job at Patreon. Uh, I joined to do creator partnerships and operations, but I ended up running the creator partnerships team and building out a biz ops team on the go-to-market side. Mm. And by the time I left, I was managing a team, those two teams of um, in total seven people. And I loved my job, but I became increasingly passionate about all the stuff I was doing outside of it, all the stuff with comedy. And during the pandemic, my following online started to grow at a pretty unexpected clip 
because I had been making things online for several years. And it's not like I felt angsty that no one was watching. I just was aware some people watched, but it wasn't anything meaningful. And that didn't bother me because I had my job and I love my job and this is for fun. And then sincerely during the pandemic, I started making one video every week because I was going crazy. Let me be very clear. I was going insane. I was living alone in a studio apartment in San Francisco, California in the year of our Lord 2020. I was losing my mind and making one minute videos was just like all my brain could really compute because I was used to making like seven minute YouTube videos and my brain was like, that's hilarious. You're never going to be able to do that again. So I started making one minute videos and as a way to stay, um, as a way to do something outside of work, work being then sitting on your computer all day in Zoom meetings, I started making a video every week. And then one of those videos got the most views, um, I think it still tops the, the views actually that I, I've gotten on a single video on Twitter. At that point, the most views that a video of mine had gotten was 1,100, it was 1,100. I was stoked about that, by the way. I was like, hell yeah, 11, do you know how many people 1,100 people is? So many, they all saw my video, that's dope. It's 100 more than 1,000. Awesome. Yeah, exactly, can you imagine? It's, uh, and it's 1,000 more than 100. So I uh, was stoked on that. And then the next video I posted got 3.1 million views. Whoa. And in one week, my following went from 950 Twitter followers to 15,000 because, and my theory is that when, I think when people landed on my account, driven by those 3 million views, they, there was so much content there. There were so many videos, so many jokes I'd written over you know months and years of regular output that I think people thought, this is a comedian. That's a very natural conclusion to draw, right? And so they, a bunch of them thought, she's a comedian. Um, they weren't like, well, this looks like a, <laughs> a head of creator partnerships and business operations to me. And so um, it was kind of intimidating to have all those followers all of a sudden. It felt like I had been performing stand-up to an intimate group of 50 and then 5,000 people walked in the door and I'm still holding the mic. Right. That's how that moment felt. But I decided that night, because it got like you know a million views in the first day and I was like, what is happening? I decided literally that night, I was like, okay, some of these people are going to leave when I start, when they see more. I, that's just what's going to happen by the numbers, right? And so I'd rather rip the Band-Aid off and let that happen so that people with whom my stuff will resonate can find yeah. me. And so that night I remember being like, you have to tweet a couple jokes. You just have to do it, rip the Band-Aid off. And that's been part of my ethos ever since is, is I'm going to, I have to keep putting stuff out and putting stuff out that, is from my perspective, whether I am positive, that's what people will like or, uh, or not. And um, after that initial following and after the excitement around how good it felt to make stuff and have it seen, oh my God, it feels really good, you guys. Yeah, well. I, I know that you don't have that experience with this podcast yes, yet, yes, but. Yeah, um, we have a hundred. I mean, this is Alexis, in our defense, this podcast <laughs> has been called not terrible. Wow. By, by our producer. By, by, by my mom. Yeah. Who's my mom? <laughs> yeah, say, who's mom? Like, yeah, I went on and gave you guys a rating. It was on, this isn't this, terrible. I'm like, oh. This isn't terrible. This is I, you know what? I will, I'll say it. I am not having a terrible time. Oh, oh, no, I, I know. 
We just won. Wait, wait, and now that was about as good. Yeah, as we're, good. we're good. We're good. Anyway, <laughs> Let's just I wrap might it have up. A, le- a picture of Alexis just in everyone because it was the quietest that we've ever been as you were talking. Because oh. <laughs> he was so engaging. It's an incredible story. Um, Thank I, you. I just, but like, was it? I mean, you sort of got to this point, but then you're out on your own. Like, do you? Like, was there, is there a business plan or do you just go, you know, enough to make it work? And then what does that look like? It's building. How did your experience in business affect it? Because I'm oh, so curious. God. Hell yeah. I can do both. No, I love these questions. I know. I was going to follow up with that. But anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I got to come over the top. Jump in with these. Yeah. It's just, it's, no, go, go. It's okay. I mean, it's very exciting. Business strategy is very exciting. We're all very excited to discuss. Um, so, okay. There's, uh, I'm actually, this is a, this is a three part answer. So the first part is I, we are missing one step of the story, which is between that initial following build and then the actual resignation from Patreon, because that was between April and December of 2020. Mm. What a time to be alive, by the way. So I say that for a couple of reasons. One, this was something that in my mind, as much as I ultimately did make a decision to resign it really felt more like I continued to follow what was most engaging to me and then being pretty honest with myself when my job, which had been so exciting and which had I had been so passionate about, I started being honest when that started fading in interest to me, which was really hard because I've always loved or it's always been very important to me to love my jobs. And then all of a sudden I was like, I would rather write tweets than participate in this very important headcount strategy meeting. And if I had been an IC, maybe I would have stuck around a little longer, but it was very important to me as a manager. I think that's a service position. And I was fearful that if I started delivering at less than a hundred percent, I would be, it would be detrimental to the careers of people I cared a lot about who, who were looking to me to help them grow. And I took that incredibly seriously. And so the first time I was like, I'd really rather edit my video than work on this thing. I was like, listen to that red flag and check in on it. And then I kept checking in on it and it just kept getting louder. And so in some ways, as much as it was definitely a choice to leave, it felt like once the scroll was on the table, once this idea of leaving was on the table, all I kind of had to do was like watch it unfold. And the decision to leave became very clear because I wanted to know what it would feel like to be in control of my own time. I wanted to see what I was capable of, which remains true to this day. I'm still intensely motivated by, I did this. Ooh, what does this plus one look like? What's a little bigger than what I've accomplished? Um, And the, how did I leave from a business perspective is actually, I have a very clear answer to this, which is I treated this idea of leaving and quote, doing comedy full time, which in December of 2020, everyone was like, I literally don't know what you mean by that. And I was like, don't worry. I also don't know what I mean by that. So what I did was I said, we're going to do this as like a six-month uh, six month experiment. And I essentially took money out of my savings account and made what I considered an investment in this idea. And I budgeted for six months. I had also moved into my mom's house because it was pandemic time and I was tired of that studio. So my burn was so low. No rent. Come on. Crazy. Yeah. Um, And so I knew I had enough money to not cause future financial detriment for if I did this for six months. I was like, nothing really bad is going to happen. 
And I also looked at it as money I was spending for my future self so that at 40 or 50 in looking back, I wouldn't have that feeling of, what if I had just done it? Like, what if I had done that? And then when I contextualize that investment as um, preventing that future pain, I was like, this is going to be money well spent no matter what happens. And I said, after six months to myself, here's what you're going to do. In six months, if you have not figured out a way to monetize this at all, you need to pivot all your energy into monetization. Um, And if you don't like it, you have to be honest about that. And you have to either go back to tech or figure out what you want to do next. But that was really important to me because I didn't want to set it up in the way that some people actually framed it to me, which was, oh, you're going to leave tech and you're going to go try to make it as a comedian implying that there is some destination to arrive at. Yeah. What? What? That's not a thing. It's not really a thing in any, in most careers. And so instead it was in six months, if you have spent all of this money um, and you haven't figured out a way to monetize, you need to either figure that out or leave and go back to tech. And I was just very fortunate that in having started my podcast, non-technical two weeks before I left Patreon, I started selling sponsorship into that show from day one. And so that became my salary, small salary, but enough to, yeah. to, not, to not go broke. And then uh, over time, I was able to cultivate some sponsorship deals for uh, videos, few and far between. I do not want to treat my audience like a cash pinata. And also the few and far between, I think, as go-to-market leaders, you'll appreciate this. Um, the scarcity of that makes them intrinsically more valuable as, as little moments online. Uh, and I specifically get to work with tech companies because of my audience and my general vibe, uh, which means it opens the door to do a couple sponsorships for cash, but also a cash equity split. And so I've built over the years, just like a small equity portfolio by doing a few sponsorship videos. Um, and then non-technical is a huge part of that. But I was just very lucky that after six months, when the come to Jesus moment arrived, I had done the thing that I set out to do, which is monetize to the point that I could continue. And um, we are coming up in one month uh, on the three-year anniversary. So I will have been doing this full-time for three years. Oh, happy birthday. Oh, man. Thank you so much. Wait, but but the serious question, what did your mom think? (laughs) She was like, she was like, what do you mean? She truly didn't understand. And it was hard to explain because as much as I – kind of understood what I wanted to do. Part of it was acknowledging that I wasn't going to be able to get concrete about it until it arrived. And that knowledge, you mentioned earlier, my relationship to like the, oh God, I can't believe I'm going to use the term creator economy, but my relationship to the creator economy as a result of my job at Patreon and one of the biggest takeaways for me from Patreon and watching all these incredible, incredible creatives build sustainable financial um, income and businesses around their work, it didn't give me a blueprint for how to do mm, it, yeah. but it did show me it's possible. And I think that was the that was the mental unlock for me there because I was like, and saying to my mom, I'm like, I totally hear you. I know this sounds insane. I know we are legally not allowed to go out of doors and I'm saying I'm going to go be a comedian, but I know that this can work. I just have to figure it out. Man. I might, I don't know what, to, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how to feel. You are like, those were the, that was the most mature story. <laughs> I, like, I was like, my God, that, like your decision making was so mature. And you know, when we started this, it's like, Judd's like, let's go now. Now I will, yeah. 
Yeah. Because I'm very mature. <laughs> that's, that's the vibe that I've gotten yeah. so yeah, far. No, yeah, you can tell, right? And so uh, that is unbelievable. All right. So is the do you sell your own ads? I, when I, so non-technical, my podcast, it ran for two and a half years, but I wound it down earlier this year, which is, uh, we could talk about what went into that decision. While it was running, I did sell my own ads. Okay. Um, I experimented twice with someone else selling advertisement for me and it just didn't really work. Yeah. And I think that's because the product I was selling was an expensive premium product. Mm -hmm. I only did one sponsor per episode. So each episode was exclusive to one company. I felt that was the way that I could stand behind the value of what I was selling mm -hmm. because I don't really believe in the value proposition of you're going to be one 30 second ad in the middle of six others. No one is listening to that. I didn't feel right selling a thing that I'm like, I'm pretty sure no one is going to hear this. <laughs> and on top of that, if you are selling six ad blocks per episode, you have to sell six advertisers. If you are selling to one company, I only have to do it once. Right, yeah. And so I was selling a premium product at a CPM that is was so unbelievably expensive that I would get on the phone with marketers and I would be like, I'll tell you the CPM, but if you're using CPM to evaluate this decision, you, this, you're probably not going to want to sponsor the right. show. And I think that it required, a, it was a really bespoke sale every time. And I think me as the host was a really integral part to closing those deals. And I think that's why, even though I had competent people partnering with me on the ads, I just, I, it always seemed to need to be me to like hold their hand through why. Yeah. I don't know what you guys think about that from a go-to-market perspective, but that was my theory. It sounds like founder-led. I was going to say exactly that. Yeah. Mm. It's exactly it's, that. It's the passion from your product because it's you mm. comes through from you and nobody else can yep. capture that like you. Yeah. But, but I, so what, one thing we like to do on Unfiltered is like everybody's a part of this and you're part of our conversation. So hopefully we're not just going to keep peppering you with question after question after question. This is great. Yeah. And I want to pose this to everybody because you made me mm. think about it. Like, you know, there's a lot of serious topics out there right now. And I love the fact mm. that you make fun of 98% of them. What's the one topic you like to make fun of or think is the funniest? Not just you, everybody. Because mm. I know Craig has a couple uh, that, that are out there because mm. I, I think like at this point, business has gotten so serious. And we need, and that's why I loved when he invited you. I was like, yeah, we, we need a little comedy in this yeah. world these days. So I'd love to hear like you, everybody, like what, what is that one thing right now that, that it's so serious that it's funny and you make fun of it. Are there rules around this Jed? Because like, like, for example, my first instinct was you and Matt. No, I can't. <laughs> say that. You can, but I don't consider me and Matt business. I mean, you know, should actually be a compliment. I mean, this coming from somebody who called me three times before 8am this morning, Craig. I was, I really wanted to talk to you. I mean, you didn't call me today. I'm not normal. Yeah, because you're on the East Coast, dude. It's 11. I would have to wake up at before five to reach you before eight. So yeah. that didn't work. All right. Um, I'm. Uh, do you want Alexis to go first or do you want everyone to throw it out there? No, let, let's let you go first. I think she should go last because she'll actually oh, be cool. funny and we suck. So, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. Well, yeah. Well, hold on. I don't know my answer. You're going to have to give me a sec. Does anybody know what they would say? Huh? Oh, man, uh, I mean, I so it's funny because uh, it it vacillates. It's really fun to make fun of AI. I think uh, uh, so. Like, there's there's like a, a little bit of a treasure trove there, uh, but then also like 
going on record and making fun of it when like uh what yesterday somebody just raised a hundred two million dollar series a like um yeah they, they're laughing uh, no, like they're they're laughing at me making fun of them but i think uh oh, 102 yeah 102 it's very specific yeah. which yeah similar to before that's 100 more than just two yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's two more than 100 but um I've always loved, like, to me, the comedy has always existed between, like, marketing, sales, and sales development. And I think it's because that's where mm. the lion's share of uh, of my career has existed. Um, mm. And, and you know, like, whether it's yourself or, or mm. other comedians that sort of play in that space, um, I think why that comedy is always popular or why it's funny to make fun of those situations is because so universally true. So universally true. And the best comedy always is very universally true. And that's one of the things that I pulled out of, uh, of your story is um, your, your motivation to always be authentic, uh, mm. which like, whether mm. you're being authentic as a business or whether you're being authentic in comedy or whether you're being authentic as a thought leader, like it is such a critical component of all of that being successful. And the people who try to be what they're not, uh, you know, it, it, it rarely works out for them in business, in comedy mm -hmm. or in content, mm -hmm. uh, in, in, in any form. So, um, so I like making fun of that stuff. And I, uh, um, as a marketer, I, you know, I, I get made fun of a lot by sales organizations and uh, I a hundred percent see their point. I definitely do. <laughs> He's also the funny one in the group, obviously. Oh, Thank you. I don't know. I think Craig likes to think of himself as the funniest person. Oh, like think of himself. You know his what? Mom, hey, look, his mom told him he was. <laughs> no, my mom did not. That's part of my. That's because. So the. Uh, by the way, I do on the marketing sales thing. I that, that has always been my ticket, which is hmm. I personalize to the audience. Alexa, mm, mm -hmm. I make fun of sales when I'm with marketing. And I make fun of marketing when I'm with sales. I make, and I got all, you know, I can, I can do it all. Hmm. It's always been my technique. By the way, this is not a business one, but Matt can attest this. The number one thing I make fun of right now are, are, are baseball dads, travel baseball dads. Yeah. They, they are, it, <laughs> we live in the Bay Area. Okay. Okay. These guys are rich. They're in their Teslas driving and they're still <laughs> wearing Oakley blades and the uh, baseball hmm. jacket. It's like, you don't have to wear the uniform. Like, I, I, it's just crazy. And their arms are always folded. I just the folding of the arm, mm. the there's so many really interesting. I just watch them. It's like, you mm. guys, you're like supposed to know better, but they something attacks mm. them. Like, it's like this virus that, you know, they're a like, travel baseball dad. You know, I got to wear literally like, he's like, you know, my kids on the team, they're like, well, do you want to buy yeah. gear? It's like, for him, yeah. No, no, for you. Huh. What? Yeah. Like, I, okay, I'll get the hat. Well, you got to get the hoodie too. And now I realize like the, they come out geared up. They've got, you know, the baseball style glasses, whether they're Oakley's or, uh, you know, whatever any, mm -hmm. um, you know, they, there's like in the, in the bathroom, there's Zen packets everywhere. So they feel like they're probably still playing baseball. So they've got their, uh, chewing tobacco and whatever. And it's like, it's amazing. Arms folded in packs. You know, making comments, I, talking about how the reason they had to quit was because some coach didn't like them, whether they quit oh, or high, high school, college. Hey, hey Craig, show, right. show her your glasses, though, because this is this this will lead do into mine. Cool, do you have cool sunglasses? Oh, he has the best sun. He has the best glasses in the world. Uh, it doesn't. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Okay. This, this okay. is like if Elton John went to Coachella. Right, a little. These are. A little, yeah. So anyway, there you go. But not a business one, Judd. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I like, there's, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It does, right? I mean, I saw you nodding and I was like, well, you know, she might not go to suburban baseball games, but she can feel me on that one, right? Well, here's here's why. And do you mind if I, can I comment on these two so far before? Oh, let's okay. get an analysis. So, well, here's what I, here's what I'm. And if you see me jotting down notes, it's because I want to, I'm trying to make sure I'm keeping everything straight. Um, so a lot of what you said about baseball dads um, would be the kinds of things that I might identify about people in my life. And what you're actually identifying, in my opinion, is like uh, repetition, you know? So like if you saw one baseball dad wearing Oakley's, that's not really interesting or notable, but six out of seven baseball dads wearing Oakley's, that's a trend, that's repetition, that's, okay, that's interesting. And so in my life, what I'll notice is if, um, right, if one person is wearing a, a Canada Goose jacket, that's not that interesting. But if every single person at this goddamn restaurant yeah. has a Canada Goose jacket, I'm like, what's going on? You know, like what's, hmm. Wait, do you, do you say that or do you away. go, this is good content? I'm curious. Hmm. Typically, I don't evaluate something as good or bad. I just evaluate it as unusual or noteworthy and then jot it down. And then later, we'll figure it out. I don't like to live. I think I'd be very unhappy if I lived my whole life like, <laughs> oh, this is good content. Like, that sounds miserable. I also think I would be miserable to be around. And also, I would be totally out of the present moment at all times because I'd be watching the present moment. So I try to be there, experience things. And then if something is like, that's unusual, I'll just jot it down or I'll try to retain it for later. And so even though I don't, um, I've never participated or been around uh, travel baseball, I still take the same approach to noticing like, well, what's the behavior? And so then I might also say, what else do they all have in common? Or where am I where I see this? The West Village. And what's another thing they all have in common? Okay, a lot of the women are wearing Cartier love bracelets or a lot of the men are doing this. And then I'm like, why does it stick out to me? And I'm like, well, because that logo is so huge. Why is this logo so big? And then I'm like, oh, it's so that everyone knows how much you paid for your coat. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And so then I'm like, so then what is, what's that? Because you can get, and by the way, the coats are great. I've worn a friend's. They're so warm. So I'm like, okay, it's a good coat. It's a good coat, but the price tag is on it. You could get a good coat that the price tag isn't on, but you want the one with the price tag that is. And so then I'm like, what is going on there? And so then I might find something interesting about this group, this blob amorphous group I'm referring to of like Canada goose jacket wearers, obviously making huge generalizations, but it was born from the repetition of seeing it again and again and again. And so like the travel baseball um, dad point you made that was particularly interesting to me is them telling stories where, oh, well, they could have gone pro if only such and such coach hadn't liked them. Because now you're starting to understand <laughs> why they're buying, why they have packets of Zint. What the, oh, come on, you're an adult. And it's like, okay, so then I might think more about like, if th this is a common comedy thing, like, well, if this is true, what else is true? So if their attitude is this sort of like, could have been me vibe, what else might they do? You know, so they might be like really hard on their kid or they might give them like really specific baseball feedback, right? About like the position of their ankle when they were sliding. And so I would try to like find what are the other angles based on what I know about them. Um, so I really, I think what you're picking up on is like exactly the kind of thing that I would. 
And then the previous example about um, sales and marketing, uh, I think is interesting because it reminds me of like wanting to be seen and also wanting to see yourself in the comedy. And I think that that is one thing that I am always, I always feel like I did a good job when people comment, this is so me. Or, oh my God, this is so true. Sometimes people are like, this is so accurate, it's painful. I've gotten that comment many times. (laughs) And it's a compliment. It's a compliment because I'm like, oh yes, we've we've had the same experience, you know? And it's this moment for me as the person creating it where I get to go, okay, I'm not alone. And it feels so good. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that that is why like the comedy around tech plays so well because Hmm. It's funny because it's true and it's engaging because we've all lived that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Recognizable, familiar, but safe because you can watch a video um, about layoffs and not have the fear that you are about to get laid off while watching it. And so you can set, be separate from it a little bit and still feel the catharsis of having been there yeah. before. So, so what's yours? Um, actually, this is a great segue because I really love, um, and I should clarify that if you were to look back at all of the, we'll talk about specifically the sketch videos. If you were to look back at all the sketch videos that I've made, less than half are about tech and business, interestingly. Um, and part of that initially was an intentional choice because I feared if I only made jokes and videos about a specific topic, I would only be expressing one part of myself. And then if I ever wanted to move away from that, the audience that I would have built would not be interested. Mm. So I intentionally, I think I grew more slowly, but it was a conscious choice by not only leaning into tech and business, the internet rewards, you know, knowing what to expect from your content. And I was like, I know that. And I don't want to look back in three years and be like, I can only make jokes about APIs. Like, can you imagine? That would be so boring. So I say that only because it's true. A lot of the work of mine that has gone the farthest or gotten the most views has that tech business bend to it, but that I like to create things about all aspects of my life. But the common thread between the tech and business stuff and other stuff is often like a lack of self-awareness and hypocrisy. Uh, And I use, like I said, repetition a lot. And so one of the ways I think about like what to make make fun of or poke fun at next is if I, if I just hear the same thing a lot, I'm like, what's going on with that? Why am I hearing that so often? And, um, I also really enjoy making jokes that are fun, funny, ideally, but don't make anyone feel bad. I don't, to me, it's like not putting net good out there into the world. I'm not like creating net joy. Right. (laughs) If in order for like group A to feel good, group B has to feel bad. And so I try to, if I am making fun of somebody, it's usually some version of me. Uh, And then if I am making fun of someone that's not me, and the reason I said it was a segue is that I made a video called Venture-Backed CEOs. It's like, wait, I don't even have a home phone. I know, I was like... No, no, I... I, no, sorry. I forgot. Uh, My groceries are early. (laughs) Can I just buzz them in real quick? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Go buzz. Good thing we have editing. No, I'm just kidding. No way. This is staying in. We got to leave the grocery delivery thing one for sure. Oh, for sure. I mean, you guys left the one where I went to go. 
tell my yeah. kids to be quiet and close the door. Yeah. yeah. And you were talking about me on the video and I got to see it yep. when the video was released. Oh, wait, wait she's back. Shh. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> so, so just, so you know, most likely you getting groceries yeah. will be in the, in the video. No. Can you see my Birkenstocks? Of course. No. That's the best That is, yeah. I mean, come on now. We, we like to Actually, real. Actually, I kind of love these shoes so much um, because the Birkenstocks are so comfortable, but these are, these are my house shoes. Do you guys wear Birkenstocks? You're a barrier people. Yeah. Be Birks? I don't know. I have a pair of Arizonas and Bostons. Dude, they're so comfortable. And so they're my, I never wear them outside of the house. And so I bought them in my favorite color, which is this like light lilac-y purple. And they bring me joy every single time. Every single time I put these shoes on, I'm like, this is a great purchase. No, no, so, you will be sponsoring the show, Judd. Yeah, yeah, my house we, we know who to reach out to. Yes. We'll, we'll freeze frame on the Birkenstock. Oh my God, please do. <laughs> I'm sure I look insane. I'm wearing full, I'm wearing full length wool socks tucked into Birkenstocks. I'm wearing socks with stocks. I, yeah, but you're right not now. you're not allowed to wear Birkenstocks without full length wool socks. I mean, come on. Not in the winter, anyway. I get cold. Anyway, You're okay. A, 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 native. A, a big portion of the sort of viral Brooklyn dad outfit, right? Like, yeah. Shirts, oh my God. Good point. Wool socks. You've got. A, yeah. A I have kind of a dad sweater, mm -hmm. and I'm wearing sweatpants, just black, plain, plain black mm -hmm, sweatpants. Mm -hmm. You're just missing a workwear jacket and a hat. Damn. I I have several yes wow I guess I do kind of dress like a Brooklyn dad break break out the Detroit jacket we want to see it we want to see it. that's what I need I'll get that in my pack of Zen and I'll be ready to go get, get your Oakleys ready get my Oakleys out so the video that I was about to reference uh, was venture backed CEOs after laying off half the company and the reason why this video sticks out to me is one that I was happy to have been able to make was that the dominant conversation at the time was layoffs. Lay every Everyone was doing layoffs. Everyone was talking about layoffs. Everyone was getting laid off. It was the dominant conversation in my social circles. However, sensitive topic because people are losing their jobs. So I was like, wow, this is coming up again and again and again and again. Interesting. Okay. So right. I file that away and I'm like, geez, I'd love to do something about this. Um, but the, the recipient of the joke, the butt of the joke cannot be the people getting laid off. It can't be a joke that it comes at, uh, at the expense of these people. These are real human people who are losing their jobs. So I was like, okay, that's a good guardrail. And then I was like, what is sticking out to me about all of these layoffs? And I started realizing that it was the way that CEOs were delivering the news and then writing these unbelievably self-aggrandizing posts about the fact that they had to struggle through doing the layoffs. And then I'm like, the, and the thing that really bothered me about this was like, these are the same people who one year ago when everything was sunshine and roses and everything was getting overfunded and overvalued, were showing their investors these hockey stick growth curves and being like, we need to expedite our hiring and hire so many more people and get an even bigger whatever. And it was just like, how did you not have the foresight to understand that this, this global pandemic was actually not going to go on forever, God willing. And so it just struck me as so hypocritical. And I, I thought there's got to be like a way in. And so I thought, okay, it's, it's not, and it's also not making fun of this individual, the CEO, but it is 
the specific hypocrisy of being like, oh, gee, I don't know what happened. When it's like, no, you did this. You knew exactly what happened, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so that is the kind of thing that when I can find That's a that in, um, I, it's more it's more interesting because it's also unexpected. Um, and in talking about making fun of AI, fun fact, I actually, I don't find, personally, I don't find making fun of AI interesting at all um, because there's so much of it uh, that I'm sort of like, I don't know what the joke is because it's a real technology that's going to be around for a long time. And, uh, so instead I'll, I would try to find a way in of usually like how people talk about it. And so I made a video last week, a couple, or I made a video amidst the open AI drama called when there's big tech news and the way that we all like crabs just gobble it up and we're like more news, you know, more tweets. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought like, that's to me what was quote funny. Cause again, that's real people doing real things. And I am very aware that as someone with like an online following people directly involved in these situations could end up seeing the work. And so it's important. I, I try to be respectful of everybody. Yeah. And that video doesn't hurt or demonize anyone involved in that situation. It just pokes fun at the way several of my friends and also me were just like, did you see that tweet? And so I tried, that's the, that's the type of angle I like to find into those topics. So that video, I just want to stop because we don't have much time. So that video had lots of cut. Like when you do those videos, there's lots of cuts. So like, how do you yes. produce that? Mm -hmm. Like, do you do a lot of, and then you splice it all back together or what does that look like? I, um, everything is scripted. So I script everything first. That helps reduce the amount of time I spend filming, which is important because ultimately the goal for me is always to get these to about 60 seconds. And if you have 23 minutes of footage, which I've done before, absolutely. Cutting that down to 60 seconds, um, what would the technical, oh, it sucks. It sucks. It's just like, a, it's unpleasant, yeah. Good technical term. In November of 2022, so a year ago almost, I made a big business pivot um, or structurally, which is that for the very first time I started working with a video editor, I edited my own videos 1000% all the way until about a year ago. And I think you guys will like why I made this decision in, this was about the time last year when the rumors around Elon taking over Twitter were getting really real. And my biggest following is on Twitter. And so what you might, uh, as a, as a, business leader, what you might say is that I had an extreme weakness in the fact that my largest following was about to be in the hands of somebody who at the time I was like, I don't, I don't know that he's going to pull this off. And that really freaked me out because if Twitter went away, you know, that's where I have 130,000 followers as opposed to at the time about 23,000 on Instagram. And so in November, 2022, I was like, geez, I really need to double down on video in an effort specifically to build a more robust following on other platforms to hedge in case Elon runs Twitter just right into the ground. Yeah. And so I, a, a video, a super, uh, a super young uh, video editor reached out to me randomly around that time. and was like, Hey, I don't know if you need a video editor. And I was like, no, I do it myself, but I'll get on the phone with you, I guess. And I got on the phone with him and he was very, I really liked his energy and I felt we could maybe work well together. And so I sent him some raw footage of mine and I said, this is the most narcissistic thing I've ever asked anybody. Could you go back and watch my videos and see if you can turn this footage into something that looks like that? 
And he did a great job. He got got it to about probably 75, 80% on the first try. That was a nice wake-up call for me because I thought I was uh, thought that was my special sauce. I thought I'm a cheeky, special little editor. And then this man who had watched, you know, 10 minutes of my content nailed it. But anyway, huge unlock for me business-wise because uh, that has enabled me to create stuff so much faster because now I script and I film and then I send it to Alex, my editor, and he does the first pass based on my script. And then he sends it to me for review. And then we go back and forth a couple times. And then ultimately he finishes the cut, adds the captions, makes it the right size and dimensions that I want for the various platforms. And I share that because that is the type of process that's now enabled me to flip something like that open AI video. That was our fastest flip ever. I filmed that at 6 p.m. Sunday night and published it at like 2 p.m. Monday. That's amazing. Fastest flip ever. And so I share that because at first I was very hesitant to hand over any like a founder, hand anything over to anybody. I was like, no, it has to be me. But editing takes a long time. I love editing. So it's, te- it's tempting. It's, it feels productive. But I've been able to grow so much faster. And actually, since working with a video editor, which has enabled me to create so much more, my like year over year growth on Instagram, I've actually, I doubled my Instagram following in 2023 from like 23,000 to 50,000. Um, and I really credit the the at bats that I'm giving myself yeah. by reducing the amount of time it takes me to make something. I got I, okay. So I'm gonna jump in here because we're almost at time. So one, I love that everything you just said is easily correlated to any business, anytime. Yeah, it's totally. this it's like find the process, scale the process, grow, right? The other thing that I that really hit me and and while you say, you know, you diversify your content, honestly, I kind of think it's still the same focus and I'll just give you why and why I love it so much, honestly, because I got in when Craig said, oh, make sure, you know, check her out, you know, her stuff coming on the video, you know, I'm like, eh, whatever, sure. And I got on and I started watching the stuff and I'm like, kind of funny, cool. I got deeper and I said, this is the life of somebody in tech. It's not that it's like you have to make fun of tech. It's anybody who is in tech. This is what you live on a day-to-day basis, how you think, how you dress, you know, Mm -hmm. who your friends are. And it's hilarious to be able to encapsulate that and then make fun of it. Because I do think, like I said earlier, we're all getting a little serious. Mm-hmm. And if we can't get that break point at some point, so I so thank you first off, and everybody who's watching this, go check her stuff out, please. Please, I think you you guys you guys will get a, a laugh, and you, you'll also uh, probably cry a little bit, but it'll all be good. <laughs> wait, wait, what's your next live show? This is like, I mean, next live. Oh, you, I'm working on a new project. Ooh. I'm working on a new project. My next live show is in. Um, Three and a half hours, but I, uh, I, yeah, I know, right. Um, we should figure out what jokes I'm telling is really what we should be doing during this hour, but figure that out later. I am working on my first ever solo show, which means a full hour of, um, Netflix special. Here we go. And, uh, it's on the topic of work. Actually, Uh, that's a big part of it. It's also a little bit about probably about failure in a lot of ways. Um, but it's funny. It's a, it's a stand-up show. And so this, so Tuesday, um, and we actually are about, we, did we just sell out? I think we just sold out, but it is, um, it's my first ever 30 minute preview of the show. So I'm in, this is kind of an interesting moment to talk to me because I don't really know how it's going to go, but I feel very confident at this point that I've prepared enough that I will like I'm going to learn so much from Tuesday, but I've only put up a 15 minute version of it. Meaning like only put up in front of an audience. This is the first time I'll have ever put up a 30 minute version. And, um, 
We don't, we don't know. And it, it might, it, it, I mean this sincerely. When I say it might not go well, what I mean is there may be uncomfortable moments for me on stage where it's quiet or where something doesn't land. And oh I know that it sounds bad. I get it. I totally, even hearing it, I'm like, no one wants that. But I also am like, it is the only path to getting to an hour long show that you will all really love. Like it is just the only, how else am I going to do it? You know? And so you're catching me in this really interesting moment for me where I'm like, well, we sold the tickets and it's going to happen Tuesday and I'm kind of ready and I'm, I'm excited and it, we'll see how it goes. Lunch anyway, plan. so that's what I've got coming up. Launch plan. Yeah. Wait a minute. I'll be there Tuesday. Are there like scalp oh my God. Are there scalpers up front? Like in a, if it's sold out? I I can, I mean, I can get you like a background comp ticket for sure. Yeah. But I wish I lived there now. I'm not lucky. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm so excited. That'll be so fun. And uh, yeah, and we will, we will, I'm going to be working on it for at least the next year. And so this is, uh, this will just be the first swing. And like a product, this is the, you know, the MVP, MVP and then we'll baby. make it better. Beautiful. If you're not mortally embarrassed by your first solo show preview, then you waited too long to ship it. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And that, that, that's <laughs> maybe the end. Like, uh, that's a perfect ending. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. It was amazing. Th thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Thank you and, for having me. And guys, me. definitely check her out. We can't, can't say enough great things about what she's doing and how she's calling attention to our lives, her life. Like, the, mm. it's real. So, guys. Links are in the show notes. Judd. It's in the thanks. show notes. We already have an outro, so I don't need to say anything. Bye. Perfect. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to GTM Unfiltered. To hear our innovative insights and strategies, visit gtmunfiltered.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Until next time.